0: I think we can all agree that any diary which has the year 2020 on it has been made pretty redundant, although you might want to get your 2021 version of a diary out when listening to this episode. Let's get started. Sebastian Vettel's gone into Max Verstappen, and under breaking, Leclerc has gone into the barriers at the penultimate turn, Perez ahead of Stroll, ahead of Ricardo. Oh, it's a tight finish. It's a photo finish. Adding another championship to his collection. It's Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. And that's a fine intro. Did I say 2021 weird? No. No? No. I thought I said like 2020 2021. I think it was okay. <laughs> It's
1: very. That's a long way away. I wonder if Hamilton <laughs> will still be winning then. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, when Corona is
0: over, 2020, <laughs> twenty 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 one.
1: Two hundred two thousand and twenty one. In by this point, Hamilton is just like. Have you seen Futurama? It um and the episode where Nixon's just ahead in like brine preserving him. That's basically just what, <laughs> what Hamilton is by this point. Still winning world championships. He's just ahead in a, in like you know some brine driving a car around.
0: Still talking to Bono and going, tyres don't feel good, guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) These hologram tyres, they're deflating.
0: (laughs) So with the 2020 Formula One calendar drawing to a close, we now have news of next year's calendar, 2021. Uh, Tristan, what can you tell us about next year's schedule?
1: Well, Tom, as we approach into what may end up turning out to be the golden months of 2020, the F1 community will begin to look to the future of the sport and the 2021 season. And with that, we turn to the future. The glorious F1 leaders have published their 2021 provisional calendar. And by comparison to this year, it looks like a marathon containing 23 races. Now, the 2021 season appears as if it will start on the 21st of March in Australia and ends on the 5th of December in Abu Dhabi, no difference there. Now, many of the races are part of the modern traditional race calendar, and will include the Belgian Grand Prix in Spa, the Monaco Grand Prix in uh, Monaco. It would be difficult to have a Monaco Grand Prix that isn't just in Monaco. And of course, our own beige Grand Prix circuit, Silverstone, here in the UK. However, there are some new races and some slots still to be confirmed. So. A new track we'll have next year is Zandervoort, which although lined up this year, didn't actually happen due to the pandemic getting in the way. And we also don't know yet which track will be filling the slot on April the 25th. Uh, So that could be a bit of a surprise. Furthermore, although the, the Brazil Grand Prix is on the calendar, they haven't actually signed the contract yet. So that may move or we might just get another surprise calendar. And finally, although the season looks to have the races two weeks apart, as per usual, we'll still have some double-headers, including the 5th of September, Netherlands Grand Prix at Zondervoort and the Italian Grand Prix at Monza the week after, and another double-header in October, with the 3rd of October Singapore Grand Prix in Singapore, and the 10th of October Japan Grand Prix at Suzuka. So it's going to be very busy during that September-October period. So... That's really it for the highlights of the calendar. I was expecting some new tracks, and it would have been great to have some of the new tracks, especially as we've been spoiled for choice this year with the number and types of track that F1 has returned to. So going forward, it'd be nice if F1 could start removing the boring tracks like the Barcelona race and replace it with something much more interesting, perhaps even a rotational system to move Monaco out and replace it with some of the other historic tracks which we've we've seen this year. So I, that's my take on it. It's pretty boring. It's exactly what we expected. It's just longer than usual. There'll be a couple of tracks on it that are confirmed that we haven't had this year and haven't had previously, but there's nothing that that sparks the same excitement as when we heard this year that we are going to be returning to places like Imola so what's your take are you intrigued are you bored do you think it's a bit bland or is this a spicy season full of exciting races
2: i personally i'm i'm reasonably pleased with it i'm not i've seen quite a lot of people on twitter literally going really angry not happy with this not what happened with that i'm reasonably happy i would have liked to have seen as you mentioned some of the tracks we've tried this year due to covid um staying on because they were so great i'd like to see the nurberg ring on there again i'd like to see imola i'd like to see portamao however you know that clearly that's not how it works they must have just been replacement tracks for now they might not have the right licensing um you know it there's we there's so many things in it that we don't as um external um viewers of the note understand what's going on but yeah it would have been nice to see those on there and you would have thought that the organizers could have picked up on the positive reaction to those tracks um but you know it's all about sponsors it's all about partners and what's available at the time so i am i'm reasonably pleased i'm definitely not as angry as some people i've seen um and yeah well what, what's interesting you see is we spoke before about swapping out some of the tracks that we thought were a bit boring on alternating them with new ones i would have liked to have seen something like that but obviously Clearly, they're not listening to our
0: podcast, so it's not much we can do. Yeah, I'm very much intrigued by this 2021 calendar, especially by the fourth round, which has a big TBC uh, sign next to it if we're looking at the Formula One Facebook page and the pictures of it. It's great to see an extended uh, Formula One um, season or number of races up to 23, which is great considering we lost so many races because of COVID. Um And I'm also really happy to see that we're seeing uh, the return or the the retention of many tracks in uh, Southeast Asia, because of course, those are the ones that have been affected uh, the most, uh, I would say, this season, because they've all had to be cancelled because of COVID. Um, But I'm not too happy to see the retention of circuits such as Abu Dhabi. Granted, I know it's because... Uh, of the money, but a very boring circuit at that. France didn't really produce great races um, last year in the non-COVID world. Spain, once again, it remains to be seen, I think, whether Spain will continue to hold the testing, the winter testing, but fingers crossed that doesn't occur. Um, But yeah, overall, I'm pretty happy. We've got A new Grand Prix coming in, which I'll talk about in a bit, the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix at Jeddah, uh, the international street circuit, that looks like it's going to be quite an interesting race. But um, a shame that we didn't see tracks like Imola retained, um, because they were so exciting, Um, the Nürburgring as well, I don't believe is on there either, so no German Grand Prix. A real shame once again, considering that brought so much excitement and close racing Um, this year. Why it wouldn't be continued next year, but there may be some legal ramifications or issues to do with that. But hey, mustn't grumble. We got less F1 in 2020 for obvious reasons. We get more in 2021. Fingers crossed the races can be as good as they have been at times in 2020, especially looking at Austria. Show me kind of two of them again.
1: Imagine Formula One was like Subway for a moment, and that you could walk into the the Formula One provisional calendar shop and pick your bread and your filling, your cheese, your sauce, and ta da, you've got yourself a custom calendar. What would it be that you would you would you would create your foundation for this for this year, and what what tracks would you? love to see because if I quickly give you my example, I would remove Monaco, I'm sorry, it's boring, and Barcelona. Keep Barcelona for for the, the testing. If you'd like that's the sample. Mm, of the the outside the guy standing outside subway with the sample tray that's that's Barcelona we know what you're getting you don't buy the sample unless you really love it but then you're just weird if you love the Barcelona track no one's ever watched Barcelona thought I want more of that anyway point is remove Monaco and then bring back the Nurburgring bring back Imola and tracks like Zandvoort that get people excited we were you know we got Turkey coming up really soon and I'm excited for that just mash in something new especially as it's from the sort of more historic tracks that aren't necessarily built around the same designer that you get much more interesting things. And, hey, that's, I think, going to be key to a good season. This is why I think 2021 season is not going to be as good as this year, but I might be wrong. But what do you think? What will be your perfect subway year
2: i'm pretty similar to you i mean i may i may keep barcelona i quite like barcelona um definitely australia like melbourne is one of my favorite ones just i think it's usually just because it's first that's why i like it so much um yeah i would i wouldn't get rid of monaco you know i like monaco i would maybe get rid of yeah probably I, I, no I was about to say get rid of Britain I wouldn't get rid of Britain well I would, that's, that's not I would that get,
1: controversial though I don't think uh, I mean I, I w- know Tom I may... would hate that
2: <laughs> no I would hate that as well I would get rid of Saudi Arabia and we'll discuss that later and I would get rid of maybe USA like I'm not blown away by the track of Austin I'm super pleased though that the Netherlands is on there at Zandvoort because that is just gonna be a Max Verstappen orange army party <laughs>
1: as it is every year
2: I'm i'm honestly so excited yeah. for that no but they haven't done zandvoort they haven't done right. zandvoort it's
1: austria they go mad for him isn't yeah, it
2: yeah 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 this is his home 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 proper home circuit now and i'm desperately excited for that i would also include um, as i mentioned earlier i would definitely include portimao on there and maybe a little bit of the Nurburgring as well uh, maybe not imola because you've got monza so you don't necessarily need another one um but yeah that's what i would do
0: brilliant Oh, favourite tracks, mix and match. Um, First of all, you've definitely got to have Canada. You've got to have Monza. You've got to have Belgium. You've got to have Austria because they are high-speed circuits with lots of straights and they produce excellent and exciting racing. So they've got to be in there. They're definitely the sort of core, the bread of the sort of perfect uh, Formula 1 subway sandwich. Tracks that go Spain. For obvious reasons, incredibly boring. Monaco, regardless of the history, I know that lives a big a big fan of that element. So is Angus, if he were here, would be shouting from the rooftops, no doubt, on mute about how great Monza <laughs> is. Um, I'd also get rid of uh, Hungary as well, because um, I think that's, as its nickname, the sort of uh, Monza. Uh, is it like the mons are on without the barriers or something like that? I've never heard that.
2: I don't know, but you can't get rid of it because that's the one I'm going to next year if I'm allowed. If COVID. I'm allowed. afraid,
0: Liv. The world doesn't revolve around <laughs> you and your trips. What do you <laughs> but mean? yes. yes yeah. it,
2: I mean,
1: It's cheaper to go to Hungary than it is just to go to Silverstone. Yes. Yes. Ouch. I mean, I'm it, doing
2: yeah. four days. I'm doing four days for the, basically the price that it would cost to do like one or two here. Tom,
0: hi.
1: Have you just realised? Where's our invite
2: to? <laughs> To come with me to, to the to home go degree, to, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 what, yeah. I yeah, about Sorry, yeah. Uh, I was very I, sorry. My, it was a present from my parents for my graduation. So. All right, well, we did, we graduated as well. We did too. <laughs> well, you'll have to ask your parents then, will Didn't even float the
1: idea. I didn't, oh gosh, dear, I didn't say go, You know, try and organise going to a race as the F one review crew.
2: We should definitely go to a race. It doesn't have to be an F1 one because that might be a bit expensive. <laughs> but we could go to a like a lower formulas or a touring well, car or something. That's true.
1: Liv, your credentials mean that you could yeah. potentially I, yeah. get us in. Not
2: this year because COVID. I've been, I'm not allowed to go this weekend. <laughs> um, I was meant to be going to um, British Touring Car and F4 this weekend. But I've been bad. <laughs> not, not me personally. It. Not me personally. But anyone in the media You're is being now.
1: barred. <laughs> because it's only they're only allowed
2: to take one person with them, so this kid isn't even allowed to take his parents with them. He's just got to take his coach, <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> which well. is quite sad because it's quite an important weekend. But um, like you know, next year though, definitely, 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 let's do it.
0: Just before we conclude on this subject, I think the fact that we haven't seen Imola, Algarve, Nuremberg Ring, Miguelo, any of the new circuits for this season feature Istanbul as well uh, for the twenty twenty one. Uh, calendar. It's it's a bit concerning for how F1 operates as an entity. I mean, I don't know about the legal reasonings about whether it could have qualified for 2021, but the fact we've seen no crossover between this sort of improvised and unique 2020 calendar to that of 2021, despite, as we said, some of these circuits producing some of the best races so far this season, It makes me a bit concerned that F1's perhaps a bit too narrow-minded and dogmatic in their thinking and are going to plough ahead with their supposed plan moving forwards and not reacting to what they see on the track. I mean, you guys may have different opinions. It may be somewhat unfounded for me to say this, and there may be off-the-track issues, which means these circuits can't return. But it is a bit bit nonsensical to not include at least one of the tracks that we've already seen for the first time in a long while in 2021.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's all about contracts, isn't it? We know from Mm -hmm. F1 history, when they've been dealing with Silverstone, for example, listen, if you don't know, there was quite a lot of controversy around Silverstone because Silverstone said, we're not going to pay you as much as you wanted. And so F1 just said, well, we won't come back. And in Germany, Hockenheim as well, they've had problems because the popularity of the sport decreased. And the Hockenheim ring didn't want to re-sign the contract at the extortionate rates. And so we've lost the Hockenheim ring now as well. So it, it seems to me as if there is still a little bit of mentality in the Formula One sport that contracts are key and that everything. But I don't think it would be too difficult to sign a contract similarly to what we did with Hockenheim, where mm. they said, well, we're not going to have one every year, we'll have one every other year. Why can't you just say to Monaco? I, I'm just picking Monaco. Let's put Monaco, Barcelona, and, and Silverstone up just because they're three I can think of. Just say, well, it's happening every every three years in a rotational cycle, especially with historical tracks as well, where perhaps they aren't necessarily good geared up to take thicker, bigger cars. So mm. it's it's really difficult um from from a fan's perspective to watch a season like this and then transition back to normality because like many things covid has shown what can be good and bad for example working from home is a great example that i think many listeners might be able to relate to in the fact that you've experienced what it's like to work from home love it or hate it things are going to change in the future and i think f1 should really grab the ball by the horns
2: yeah definitely i do agree definitely. sorry right. Mm-hmm. I was just agreeing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think F1's really showing its flexibility and its inability to manoeuvre. It's got the sort of quick turning nature of an oil tank, you know what I mean? Like it needs to be told a, three years, a few years in advance before doing anything that's deemed mildly radical. But oh, I yeah. think it's
2: just about money, to be honest. They clearly have... Certain deals and partnerships and sponsors things happening with those particular circuits next year. That they probably, as you say, you mentioned a few years in advance just now. Obviously, you were talking <laughs> about hmm. a tanker, but like the in the sense that they probably organized the sponsors and the deals and the race, the races for 2021 quite a long time ago before they knew all of this was going to happen. And if they've made promises to very rich people and countries, then I feel like that's how it might be. But maybe we'll see changes down the line 2022 2023 like we'll have to wait and see but um it'd be interesting to see if they do pick up on what we on what we as fans have said
0: very true and one of the new circuits or one of the new countries we're going to be seeing in the formula one calendar for 2021 as i v- briefly mentioned is saudi arabia saudi arabia will become the 33rd country to host a formula one grand prix next year this comes after the news broke that jeddah the jeddah international street circuit will host the 22nd round of the 2021 F1 calendar between the 22nd of November to the 23rd um so a bit of history or context for the track um Jeddah the Jeddah international circuit runs alongside the banks of the Red sea it's to be believed this will be a night race. Uh, when it is held, and this comes after it's believed there's been an understanding reached between Formula One and the Saudi Automation and Motorcycle Federation. They've agreed a long-term partnership of 10 years, we're told, and this will likely see a new track um, hosting the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix in 2023 after it's completed. However, while the Jeddah International Street Circuit is to host this Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, there's gonna be a new purpose-built circuit, we believe from 2023 at Queda, um, and this will host the Grand Prix for Saudi Arabia moving forward if it's completed on time. Uh, when asked, uh, Chase Carey, the chairman and CEO of Formula One, when asked about what the positives and thinking was behind having a Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, he said the fact that 70% of the Saudi population are under 30 means that the sport Formula One can branch its audience out to the Middle East to a new generation uh, of sports fans and those that he could attract um, to, to the sport in the sort of short, medium and long term. Um, but this also very much aligns with Saudi Arabia's uh, plans to expand their hosting of sporting events in the future as part of their Vision 2030 programme. We've already seen them host races in the past. The Formula E races they've hosted over the last two years, as well as the Dakar Rally. So it's quite clear that Saudi Arabia are moving in the direction of hosting more motorsport in the future, as testified by this new Formula One race uh, we're going to be seeing for the next 10 years. They've also hosted other sporting events, such as the European Tour Golf. And for those boxing fans out there, the Anthony Joshua um, Clash of the Dunes heavyweight Uh, fight with Ruiz Jr. in 2019. Um, So there's been a lot of surprise as well, I've seen on social media, from the fact we're having a Saudi Arabian Grand Prix moving forward from 2021 onwards. However, one thing I noticed when Formula 1 did actually come back Uh, at Austria was the fact that Aramco was the sponsor for that Grand Prix so this comes after Formula One have announced a multi-year partnership with Aramco Aramco being the state-run Saudi Arabian energy and chemicals giants Um, this is the first partnership that Liberty Media have signed since they've taken the control of Formula One at the start of 2017 and interestingly this deal includes the title sponsorship of not only the Austrian Grand Prix, but also the Spanish, Hungarian, as well as the American Grand Prix for 2020 and 2021. And another clause of that was to make the steps towards a future Formula One race in Saudi Arabia. So the fact that that deal was signed on the 3rd of July 2020 ultimately did mean that a Saudi Arabian Grand Prix was in the pipeline, if you can pardon the oil pun there, um, for the future. And indeed it, it is now. And. Um, so why Aramco one of the, why has Aramco partnered with Formula One? Well, they're the sixth largest company in terms of revenue. They've got 270 billion barrels of oil in reserve. The fact that Formula One is still very much a a sport that, re, that relies on oil as its uh, main driver, um, so to speak. It's not a green sport. It obviously made this very much a natural and attractive partnership. They've got a lot of money, 329 billion pounds in reserves, um, but this has, as you're probably all aware, evoked a lot of criticism, especially from Amnesty International. Um, they say this event has been used to sportswash Saudi Arabia's appalling human rights record. Um, Formula, what they say, They say Formula One should insist all uh, contracts contain stringent labor standards across all supply chains and that Formula One drivers, owners and teams should brief themselves on the dire human rights situation in the country. Uh, Formula One has previously been criticized for staging races in Bahrain, Azerbaijan, Russia. Abu Dhabi and China. Amnesty International have also said that Saudi Arabia hosting a Grand Prix next year directly contradicts Formula One's We Races One message. So what do you think with Saudi Arabia hosting a Grand Prix in 2021 and all the context and criticism that comes from this? What are your thoughts about Saudi Arabia hosting a Grand Prix for 2021? Do you think this will do more harm than good? What are your overall views on the track? the context and uh, everything I've detailed, really.
2: Personally, I think it will do more harm than good externally in the sense people looking into F1, like amnesty and like um, civil, um, civil rights, human rights groups, and just the general public, it, it, it does more harm because it shows that F1 are not taking steps to either, as you mentioned, sort of negotiate, even if they have to hold the race there, if they're so determined to hold the race there, they could at least within that deal negotiate for better human rights, for better pay, for women's rights in particular was a big issue. You know, We don't actually know if that has happened or not, but it's unlikely. So I think if they just even showed or demonstrated some way of, making an effort towards that people might be a little bit more understanding about it however yeah i think it does do harm for um the you know, the sport in the sense that everyone, you know, if you if we were to speak to some of our friends who weren't as into F1 as ourselves, you know, they think of it as money, they think of it as champagne, they think of it as Monaco, they think of it as girls on boats, you know, it is seen as this, as this sport that's surrounded by money and it just makes it seem worse if they go to places like Saudi Arabia when they're having these massive human rights issues, but they're doing it anyway, because it makes a good deal and they're in some sort of partnership that's worth millions and billions of dollars so for me i'm not that keen on it however like i understand like internally um you know it may make sense when it comes to partnerships and you know it, at the end of the day they are not in any way involved with the issues that are happening um so i can understand how people they might think you know it's going to be okay and the, you know it might be a good track so the drivers might be looking forward to it but for me personally i'm not overly pleased because i think just for the reputation in general like it's not the best um way they can present themselves as a sport especially when you know um it's going to become less and less popular when it comes to sort of the world becomes more electric and 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 the cars become um heading that more sustainable direction. And you've got these great engines <laughs> in F one. You know, I feel like they need to be showing in some capacity different ways that they're trying to improve. And at the moment, they, that this particular race is not the case. Um, but you know, I, I might be proved wrong. They may show us how they've how they've made taken those steps. But I think it's unlikely.
1: Yeah. I mean to be honest I think it's it's difficult because as much as I don't want to be political and this podcast shouldn't be there is guilty by by apathy if you like those who stand back and don't do anything are, are as bad and you know I do believe that we should say something and it's not the first time F1 has ties with Saudi Arabia Aramco for example is their energy partner i always find it weird saying energy partner it's oil it's just oil oil partner but oil and f1 go together like bread and butter you've got shell total petronas they're all petrol companies and oil companies and shell for example is as bad and so i i I denounce the the poor behaviour of most oil companies. Um, if you're a good oil company, please let me know. And I'm sure they're making great strides to, to change their image. But the fact remains that oil companies are and have been bad, but like tobacco companies have been naughty. And you have to say that, otherwise you just lie to yourself. And I think it's a bit of a juxtaposition that the f1 will be striving for for equality and producing the messages like black lives matter and we race as one and yet are quite happy to be complacent and work with a government that perhaps doesn't uphold the same set of values because for me for example applying for a job i will be looking at companies and going does you do you fit with my own moral standpoint and That's why I'm not going to work for an oil company unless it's in the renewable sector, I suspect. You know, and uh, this is the thing, really, is I'm it's not anything against Formula One. It's, uh, you know, I'm against anyone or anything that is, you know, not egalitarian, not trying to strive for equality. And I expect better from a sport that has so much potential to to incite change, if you'd like.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's quite interesting, the fact that Formula One are going for this, regardless of perhaps the PR disaster and damage this will do for the sport, as you both touched upon it, reinforces the image that Formula One is a sport which doesn't really care perhaps about renewable energy as much as, let's say, Formula E obviously does. Um, and also it's a, it's a sport which cares more about money and striking deals that will ensure its future moving forwards than providing good racing. I mean, granted, the Jeddah International Street Circuit does look, from what I've seen, to be a rather interesting circuit with many straights and um, the the ability for close racing at that. But does that really undo all the other controversy and context which comes with this Grand Prix? I'm, I'm not really convinced, but as I sort of touched upon, the fact that they're building a purpose-built Formula One uh, track for 2023, the deal between Aramco and Formula One lasts for 10 years with that sort of contractual drive to get a Saudi Arabian Grand Prix means that whether we like it or not, we're going to have a Saudi Arabian Grand Prix until 2030 at least, or 2031. Um, So unfortunately, there's not really too much Well, I say the fans. I mean, I don't really think the fans have really ever had the ability to radically change the direction of of Formula One, but there's very little that anyone involved with the sport can do because the fact that this contract's locked in, it'll be interesting to see... What, if anything, the team's drivers, team principals have to say or indeed do about having to go to Saudi Arabia to race? Um, There's been whispers going around that Lewis Hamilton is thinking about saying something to the the powers that be at Formula One. and He's being encouraged to do so, as well as uh, many others who, uh, granted, take this to be a serious issue worth standing up for. But even then, like how much... Can Lewis Hamilton, some will say one of the greatest drivers ever indeed of this generation, what can he do um, with the controversy and the the, hold, the holding of a Grand Prix at Saudi Arabia? I suspect very little. So it does really detail to me where the power really lies in this sport, and it's, it's quite a sobering and, dare I say, semi-depressing reality. Yeah, but
1: history does tell us that previously drivers have held quite a bit of power in their ability to voice their dislike for something famously jackie stewart led the drivers to campaign against safety issues for example and they boycotted Mm. races and so it's not outside of the powers at formula one to put pressure on these countries or if you would like to respect that the way they work you just say you respectfully say look we you know we don't feel like you upheld the same values, so hey you know we're not going to accept your money there you go easy peasy of course that's not going to happen but we know that places like Abu Dhabi have been a mainstay now in Formula One for quite a while but if you notice in the news recently Abu Dhabi has been changing some of their laws for example non-married cum- couples will be able to cohabit and these are changes from those deeply held conservative beliefs that have been ingrained into the country for a long time for historical and religious reasons and th- that's the power of tourism because the oil is going to run out they know this we know this this is why suddenly companies like shell are making massive cuts to their oil department and hiring people to go into their renewable sector this is why companies like vw like Mercedes are making electric vehicles, they're always going to run out, and which means they've only got tourism. So I think these pressures that Formula One and us people can put on a country is immense. And I don't think it was that would have been that difficult for Formula One to turn around and say we've got twenty-two races in the calendar with many more others waiting in the wings. Germany, for example, have I gone too far? <laughs>
2: No, 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 no. I agree.
0: No. I agree. I, I just think the fact that you've already got races that are held in Russia, China, Abu Dhabi, do you say the fact that they're already locked in kind of it loosens or makes makes less secure the argument that Formula One can stand up and go. We are not going to be holding races in countries which have a well known and prolific, dare I even say, state led uh, prosecution of. Yeah. Uh, human rights abuses but would it be
1: too much for them to do that what do you mean I can't once these contracts run out and I do know the power of the contract I think the thing I have a problem with is they've signed a new one right these Mm. Russian contracts and Chinese contracts are outstanding but Formula 1 hasn't been biting at the bit to re-sign Germany no 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 they want the Saudi Arabia. Why not what
0: Because Saudi Arabia, China and Russia are a newer market for motorsport and Formula One than Germany. Yeah. Of course Germany have Michael Schumacher, they're they're in love with the sport regardless of whether there's a German Grand Prix or not, surely.
1: Yes, but the point is is you can't stand by and say we support equality and we race at one unless you're willing to give us enough money. Because that's just a, a sort of a quid pro quo, a, a a corruption of your beliefs. You know, I don't believe everyone has a price. You know, but it seems like at the moment Formula One does. So that's my answer to you, Tom. Is is well, if you value markets like that, then bugger off out of Britain, leave Europe behind, focus on the Middle East completely. Then you might as well. They've got all the money.
2: Yeah.
0: Agreed. Although I don't think Formula One or the Liberty Media owners are the only ones that are guilty of that. But no, I completely agree. I completely Uh, agree. I
1: criticise them all equally. (laughs) Corrupted minds.
0: So, Liv, I believe you're going to be telling us now about the calendar changes and the cuts to cost that we're going to be seeing in Formula Two and Formula Three in 2021.
2: Yeah, absolutely. A bit of a change here. We were. going a bit deep there wasn't it so (laughs) i'm just going to lighten the mood a bit with some exciting news it's always good to think about the f2 and f3 we we were big advocates for it here on our podcast because obviously it's the future of, of formula one um so the both formula two and formula three as you said are cost cutting the cost of the engine lease and the spare parts are going down for the teams which is obviously really important some of those teams in formula two and formula three are very very small there's a couple literally just you know, a few miles down the road from me they are in a, in a, like a, I was going to say a barn, not a barn, but a, just a very small building in the middle of a field. You know, these teams are struggling at the moment with how expensive it is. And also, as we know, it's such an expensive sport to get into. It means that we're missing out on some great driving talent. So it's good that they're bringing those down. Also in Formula 2, the same car will be used for the next three year period. So 2021 to 2023, all three of those seasons, the same car will be used. There won't be changes each year, which will mean teams won't have to repurchase or um, you know, make make expensive changes to the car each time. Uh, and F3, they haven't gone into as much detail regarding that, but they have said the car's current specs will remain unchanged heading into the next season. So we've got one year definitely of the same car. Um, so that's sort of like the cost cutting. Well, there's more I'll explain, but that's the first part of cost cutting. The second part comes through changes to the calendar. So at the moment we have um, at a, on a race weekend for Formula Two and Formula Three, we have qualifying and we have practice. Sorry, we have qualifying and then we have two races. As we probably know, we've spoken about this before we went through the, um, how, how F2 and F3 works quite a few episodes ago. Um, however, F2 and F3 events will now comp- comprise of practice, quali and three races. For F2, this will allow there to be 24 races like there is this year, but only over eight weekends and venues, cutting down the transport costs between various countries. So if they're still having the same number of races, 24, but in, in only a couple uh, in far less venues, it saves them a lot of money transporting the car, logistics, getting the team, getting the drivers from location to location, you know, which is very, very pricey. They have chartered flights, you know, it's a, it's a lot. Um, that will save them about a third of their current logistical costs, which is a big, big amount for um, small teams. And Formula Three, very similar, will happen over seven events, so not eight, but seven, resulting in twenty-one races, which is three more than they've had this year. So they're actually gaining races in Formula Three, which is epic. Um, but in order to achieve this, uh, there is not enough time for both Formula Two and Formula Three to run on the same F1 weekend if they're having three races each. Um, so that they therefore announced. Uh, that f2 and f3 would take turns supporting formula one at events so we spoke about the calendar earlier um, we went through it and i'm now going to explain which uh, races have f2 and which races have f3 and then i'm going to ask you in a little bit actually which calendar you prefer do you prefer formula two calendar or formula three calendar so this is formula two we've got bahrain we've got monaco azerbaijan great britain is in silverstone italy is in monza russia saudi arabia and abu dhabi so that's formula two and then formula three we've got spain in barcelona france which is the paul ricard circuit we've got austria we've got hungary we've got spa in belgium we've got zandvoort and we've got usa um so they're the two different ones i'll come back to that in a minute which one you prefer in fact no they're the two different ones Um, come back to me because i have more questions but for now tristan and tom do you prefer the formula two calendar or the formula three calendar i'm happy to repeat if you need please do Okay, F2, Bahrain, Monaco, Azerbaijan, Great Britain, Italy, Russia, Saudi, Abu Dhabi. Formula 3, Spain, France, Austria, Hungary, Belgium, Netherlands, USA.
0: Ooh. Oof. Hmm. They're I both short, s- it, aren't they? Yeah. I Is there much
2: between
0: them? Yeah, I was just about to say that, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: I prefer Formula 3, I think, There's sometimes.
1: <laughs> unable to... I think like <laughs> You've got
2: Austria and you've got Hungary and you've got Spa. I mean, I, well, yeah, but then also you have really good. I can't choose either. Who has Barcelona <laughs> in it? Barcelona had what, Formula Three. And does that one also
0: have Britain? No. Oh darn. I I <laughs> lean towards Formula Two. I'd say.
2: Yeah, Bahrain, Monaco, Azerbaijan, Great Britain, Italy, Russia, Saudi, and Abu Dhabi. Uh, you yeah,
1: see, no, yeah. Read the other one. Read the other one though.
2: Spain, France, Austria, Hungary, Belgium, Netherlands, Austria,
1: USA. Na, you know, mm. na, you Hungary, see, I Belgium. think number two clinches it for me. It's Maybe a big course. trade-off. I have, yeah. I have a big soft spot for for Belgium, and so I, you're
2: going with the Formula Three. I think I like <laughs> the
1: Formula Three more, but to be honest, Amazing. I'd like to fill like, mash them together in a. Wh- well, a what a bit like
2: the F1 calendar, really. <laughs> a bit really? like that. <laughs> yes, it is.
1: Except from then, we get all of the terrible ones. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um. <laughs> On just I'm sorry start again. So yeah Tristan you said a bit Formula three, Tommy you said Formula two. A couple of people who would have had the opportunity to, to race in Formula three but are now not actually um, are Oscar uh, Piastri and Liam Lawson, who are two F3 drivers. who accidentally well. I said accidentally. It wasn't. It was obviously a purposeful move, but it appeared to be accidentally announced that they're moving to F2 today. Um, they, when the, when the F2 and F3 calendars came out, they commented, they shared the F2 one as if it was their own. Oh, I'm looking forward to this race, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Took a few people a while to realise, but it, they were announcing both of them that they were moving to F2, which is superbly Big exciting step because up, yeah. it's very exciting for both of them. Oscar, of course, is a Renault um, junior, and Liam is a Red Bull junior. So again, we're seeing those that you know those teams
1: is that Renault just and oh we spoke about both both of them didn't we Red Bull and Renault both don't have anyone waiting in the wings Do you think they're Mm. forcing someone through? absolutely
2: and also it's worth worth noting that if two of them are jumping up into f2 there will definitely be two spaces made so you know Uh, it's yeah the dominoes
1: do fall exactly (laughs) so
2: whether those spaces are made from those we expect to jump into f1 or whether people are going to be leaving um, I actually have a bit of news. I'm going to come back to what. Um, oh, What's the news? Well, it's not news, but oh. I was using some sources today, and I'm using my oh. sources. You know, my Whoa. sources. Saucers.
1: No, I wasn't. Ketchup, but basically, mayonnaise. today,
2: today there was a. You know how Alpha Tauri is a clothing brand, also. Yes. Their, their their main their launch last year was like a catwalk, <laughs> with all of the brands. Anyway, <laughs> there was today a Alpha photo shoot ready for. The new season, or just new a new launch of clothes, I guess. And two guests that appeared today were Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon, <gasps> photographed uh, at the Astra Tari photo shoot. It's, it's
1: written. Rip. So
2: it seems very weird to me that if, in a public space <laughs> they would put those two together if they weren't sort of. Oh, hold on a minute. Was this the something. chess? No, it, no, no, that was something else. That was yeah, so weird, Yeah, I was thinking though. that. I was no, it wasn't that. the chess. It, it, it's, it's still... I, that video of the chess is the most confusing thing. Uh, what photo of We should probably explain
1: to the listeners what that was.
2: So basically, there was a picture... It's actually a video, but there was pictures from it um, posted around Twitter and social media today of Pierre and his Alpha Tauri kit and Alex in his Red Bull kit sat on some very small stools. Very small. Like mm, very. Wooden stools playing chess, like looking like they were focusing and you know caption contests were going around you know fighting for the red bull seat (laughs) etc etc very some people saying you know that's the most stable seat that our one's going to have for a while
1: (laughs) (laughs) things like that
2: and then that was weird if that wasn't weird enough they then posted. there was some people then posted some pictures i'll send you guys in the group chat later but for those people listening it's basically there's a video of alex and pierre walking along holding alpha towery bags heading towards this photography moment and also um mm-hmm. a photos of them standing against a, a screen with the fashion in the background very odd and very public for something that hasn't been announced that then i'm sorry mm-hmm. i don't want to start a whole new conversation but you know if if um, Albon isn't staying, obviously he's moving down there. Do, do we see Perez with Max Verstappen? What also, sorry, before we all start that conversation, what bothers me is AlphaTauri and Red Bull, obviously a, a joint brand. For mm. me, if they needed some drivers to be there at the photo shoot, you use the confirmed drivers, which are Pierre and which are Max. Like I know Max isn't Alpha but they're one thing. I would have used two confirmed drivers because to me that's they've just created a whole a whole thing now. Yeah. That Max probably doesn't want to
0: yeah. do but... it's probably
2: in his contract that he never has to do anything that <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> so I th- my my response is is that in politics, what? one of the easiest things you can do to say break a piece of news or the a little litmus test if you'd like is you just leak it yourself most leaks come from internal government uh, yeah. it, for example it's less prevalent to some in the uk it's very very common in america you'll get your press secretary to have a private word with someone or a, a, you know a white house press reporter and will say look we're, we're announcing this in a day you can leak this at 10am tomorrow morning. In the UK, for example, um, you'll see something like the BBC will pop up and it'll be a headline saying, government proposing ban on bagels. You know, Boris is about to announce that that holy breads are to be banned due to anti-choking hazard laws or something like that. That usually comes from internal government. It's just them pre-leaking it. So I reckon they've adopted something quite similar here where they they just let people know what's going on subtly everyone mm. can prevent and then they just get on with it um
2: yeah. I, yeah so anyway that was my piece of news i'm really sorry i, I still actually had something else to say about f2 but i just an f3 but i just whoo, just made me jump it up good news. And it, was, good it, tell good. You, it, it good. was i'm really excited about it to be honest i'm over the moon because we all know i love alex so
0: <laughs> get
2: moving on from that now um, we've spoke about Oscar and Liam stepping up to F2 fantastic news there's a couple of spaces now in F3 i'm really excited to see who takes them but anyway i spoke about how the two how the two series are alternating weekends in f1 and we we spoke about which calendar was best but i want to know what your thoughts are on the changes and in the of in the fact that they're alternating you know seven or eight rounds over 9 months like that's a huge period of time for not a lot happening is that going to slow down the excitement the intensity of the racing is it going to attract less fans is it going to be harder for the drivers you know it's not week in week out they might go months uh, you know at a time or month or so without um racing and also in my opinion there's less opportunities to talk to and impress f1 bosses and one bad weekend out of eight is now worth that one weekend is now worth so much more in the overall standings because there's far less weekends That one bad weekend, you may be ill, something may happen to the car, that could have a huge effect on the championship standing. So I'm not a huge fan on the way that they've laid it out, but I'd quite like to hear what you guys think.
0: Yeah, from what you've told us, Liv, I'm not a big fan of the fact that Formula 3 and Formula 2 are going to be rotating the deputy role to Formula 1, because in my view, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it's giving less race time and less race experience to the drivers who need it most as you say, we're going to have more points put on certain races and there's going to be more pressure that comes along with this. Surely, uh, if you're a young budding driver who wants to get into Formula One as quickly as possible, you're going to want to have as much experience as possible because you're going to be able to get a feel for the car more, a feel for the track and be able to rectify your mistakes uh, better and, and more quickly than if you're having less races. I mean, Speaking personally, and people may be, may be different uh, on this, but if I'd had a horrible race um, this week and I crashed out, I don't know, when I was in third place, for example, the worst thing that could happen for me as a young up and coming driver is then to go and wait two, three, four weeks, you know, a month maybe at times to then go and race again surely the best thing that these drivers can do when they make a mistake or even when they're in the greatest form of their lives is they just get in the car as often as possible get in that racing situation as often as possible and and learn from their mistakes the hard way uh, and and, to, and through practice and through the, through the practical way um, having less races for me it's, it serves as almost trying to promote the brand of Formula 3 and Formula 2 without promoting the quality experience and let's say expertise of the future of these young drivers. It's, it's prioritising the cart over the horse in my view and I think, yeah. I don't think we'll see a sort of hugely negative knock-on effect from this, but I can't see there being a lot of positives to come from less racing from young drivers.
2: Just to chip in, sorry, Tristan. Oh, okay. the, the, the The amount of racing is actually more or level because they're on track more. They're getting three races per week yeah. rather than two. However, as you say rightly, the gap is the thing for me that's that bothers me. Like if they're on momentum or if they're doing badly, as you say, that that gap it, it, there's no momentum, there's no excitement. Mm. F1 bosses don't get to see them as much, but yeah, just to point out, the the actual track time is is in, either increasing or staying the same, depending on which series. But, but so they're not sorry. losing track time, but yeah, the gaps is the, the big issue for me.
0: But they won't be racing. They won't be racing at as many circuits as before, right? Ordinarily, or
2: yeah. No, yeah, they won't be racing with my See,
0: that's before. the issue. A lack mm. of experience moving into Formula One. Mm. Anyway, well,
2: Tristan.
1: Mm. Well, from, a, from an entry point, though, less races does mean less shipping, time away from yeah. home. And given that these are the entryways into Formula One, the career, if you'd like, is really Formula One. I, I, all I can, I, all I have in my head is a picture of you know little poor Johnny. All he wants is a drive, but he cannot afford to go to twenty four races a year. He can afford to go to eight. So, it, for people who are are doing this from their own pocket, I think this is a massive win. And to be honest, I, I don't think I, I think saying. I think saying having less races equals less opportunity is something that works well in a thought experiment but less so in real life because we we've, we haven't had nearly as many races this year in Formula 1 as we are going to, for example, in 2021. And yet talent has shone through. And so I think we're going to get the same thing. And that's it really for me cost cutting is really important if you want more people to get involved in the sport those people can't afford to do it so i'm all up for it being easier to access and each race will be different you might have a terrible race but part of it being in formula one is being able to pick yourself up when everything's gone wrong those amazing drives where you've gone wrong in the first corner and charging back through the pack to get and maybe win those are the those, that's the stuff of legends. That's the thing that makes Hamilton so great. He can get a 10 second time penalty and yet drive as hard as he can to offset it. If a driver has a bad race, let's say his first race, and because of that cannot cope with the next two races on that one weekend, well, I would suggest that perhaps they don't necessarily have the stuff of legends. It's harsh, but it's true, right? You, you can't just rely on the tailcoats effect of your first race to get you having a good race you've got to kind of pick yourself back up
2: yeah that's a very good point you make and i think that's the battle that they're going through at the moment i've seen quite a lot of disagreement on twitter i've seen people saying one thing people saying the other but you're right they do have to strike a balance between you know that cost cutting the whole point was cost cutting but there does seem to be quite a lot of people disappointed in in the sense that, you know, they don't get to visit certain tracks. I've seen some disappointment in fact that F two won't be visiting Spa. Um because of Antoine and people they like the idea that they return there for him each year that's one thing and obviously um there's you know there's there's so many different reasons why people want to visit certain tracks and i do i do think it's a shame i'm not necessarily thinking necessarily now about the drivers in the sense that like me and tom were saying about that gap but also for fans because one of the great things that this year was that a lot of people who weren't usually following f2 and f3 were picking it up and watching because it was on just before the f1 or there wasn't a lot of other because of covid there wasn't a lot else going on and there was always an f2 and f3 race there and i worry that if they're so spread out if the f2 races are happening once a month that people won't get drawn into that that world that excitement and i can't wait to watch the next one because after a month they've probably forgotten what they saw in the last one because it's not f1 do you know what i mean so for me it's just a shame that they won't get that Maybe the same viewership. But obviously, we don't know. We'll have to find out. But yeah, great news about the saving in money. Well, it's a
1: bit of a theme, really, isn't it, for this this podcast? Semi-disappointment in the lack of change to the, the F1 calendar. Disappointment in F1's action to host a race in Saudi Arabia. And then disappointment that F2 and F3 are changing, perhaps for the worst. Although, I think I'm, I'm less disappointed <laughs> in that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: There we go. I, I, what a disappointing,
1: yeah, what a day. disappointing <laughs> episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Did you really enjoyed indeed. it? How fun! Yeah, sorry about
0: that. Uh, I think you're right, though. I think Formula Two and Formula Three are those sports because they're lesser to Formula One. They need as much exposure as possible to get the viewership up. They need sort of exposure not only from uh, people who are watching watching the races but those who like motorsport and perhaps are a bit bored with formula one by having less of it as you say you're gonna have less people watching it because why would they follow a, a secondary sport which is only on intermittently compared to the main sport formula One, which is on every two weeks or so i think yeah i'm i can see the positives for having three races at one circuit but for me there's there's quite a few negatives that come with this rotational system. Like, as I said, F- Formula 2 drivers, they're wanting to step up to Formula 1. They won't have the option of doing half the tracks next year when they're in Formula 1. They're going to have to go and learn on the job uh, in Formula 1 at the circuits they have perhaps aren't as experienced in. And, well, in some cases, that could be quite dangerous, really, couldn't it? The high-speed circuits, if they're not too sure how to handle, let's say, a circuit like... Uh, japan for example going there for the first time um if something goes horribly wrong yeah i think yeah you need to expose young drivers to all elements of formula one time and time again to make it safer i think as well And so ends episode 18 of f one in Review. Thank you very much once again for listening to the end of another f one in Review episode. Today we've spoken about, let's say, dates. The future dates for 2021 and the changes we can expect for next season. First of all, we spoke about the new 2021 calendar. We're seeing a lot of the old races return, which were restricted, limited, had to be cancelled because of COVID. As well as a few more races we haven't seen before that are going to be added to the next season. Unfortunately, though, we're seeing Mugello, Imola as well as the Nürburgring all fall victim and not to be featured next season. We're not too happy about that one, shall we say. Um, Secondly, we spoke about Saudi Arabia. This will be a new Grand Prix for 2021. And if the legal contracts are correct from what we're hearing, it's going to be in the sport for 10 years time. Uh, We're very much concern, shall we say, about what this will mean for the sports, whether this will have good or bad uh, impacts moving forwards. But I guess only time will tell with that one. Ask us in, uh, perhaps 2031 uh, when the contract's over. And finally, we've spoken about the changes to F2 and F3. Liv has told us that instead of F2 and F3 uh, deputising and featuring on the Formula One race weekend, they're going to be rotating. So that means there'll be three races for Formula Two and that will deputize Formula One. And then once that's done, uh, Formula Three will deputize Formula uh, One on the race after that, also doing three races. There's positives to come from this. There's negatives as well, like most things that were spoken about on this episode of F1 in Review. But thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week to speak all things F1 there is a race next weekend right yeah
2: Turkey yes it's Turkey yeah
0: Turkey of course of course You're just
1: in time for Thanksgiving
2: uh-huh. how
0: t- how topical right? It,
1: not really though it's about a week before I think oh well, <laughs> sounds good I move. don't know when Thanksgiving is it's a ridiculous American tradition I, I think, think it is November
2: something. to be fair it is November no, but, yeah it is November. November I think it's
1: 20 something oh Would you like? Yeah. Oh, okay it's, uh, it's because in America you're not allowed to have a national holiday that's uh, religious because of the separation between church and state and the fact that it's supposed to be a society that isn't founded in religion. So Christmas cannot be a universal bank holiday tradition. So that's why they created Thanksgiving instead.
2: 26th of November.
0: My birthday.
2: Ah. Is that your birthday? You're yeah. a turkey.
0: <laughs> I'm a t- <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>